Welcome to Emotional Savvy today. Oh boy, today we're going to talk about something that you may be very, very interested in knowing about. I certainly was piqued by the title of my guest's book. And the title of the book is Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. Oh, there's so many pieces to that, right? And I think that you will find it very interesting to follow this conversation. So come right back and stay tuned. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Emotional Savvy today, we're talking with the author of Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. Here's a copy of the book. You can see I have all kinds of markers in it, and that's because I have all kinds of questions. My guest today is the author of this book, Elliot Katz. Welcome to the program, Elliot. Great to be here. I am fascinated by so many things in this book, and I am intrigued enough to want to drive down and talk about them. And I just bet that there are lots of listeners who are saying, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because we parse this out. So um, this timeless wisdom on being a man that you have worked into this tale. I don't know if you call it a myth or a teaching tale, or what do you call what you've written? Really a story. I think people uh, like to read stories and they're more receptive to reading things that are in the form of a story. And it's a story about a grandfather teaching these wisdom, uh, this wisdom to his grandson because the, the boy's father did not teach it to him. That sort of reflects our situation in the world today that a lot of men grow up without a father figure or male role model to teach him this wisdom that tr traditionally has been passed on from generation to generation. Why do you think that's so? Well, I think there's lots of reasons for it. Of, um, you know, and historically, one of the big reasons is just changes in our society where in the past, fathers and sons worked alongside on farms and small businesses. Then came industrialization. Families moved to cities. Fathers were away all day at work and not as, didn't have as much influence in their, in their sons' lives. You know, their boys are raised most by women. They went to school. Most of the teachers are women. They watch television. Men are portrayed as incapable buffoons and today especially now there's a lot of divorce a lot of you know you know fathers become visitors in their lives a lot of uh, children lose their fathers completely i saw a statistic that said uh, one third of children uh, cease to see their parents uh, fathers within two years of divorce so there's, there's a lot of reasons oh where did you find that statistic i read it in an article actually someone <laughs> was telling me that um um, that that's in general in the United States, uh, what, one out of three. And they told me that among the Latino and African-American community, it's uh, two out of three. So it's, hey, uh, it's I'd love to see that statistic. And listeners, maybe you want to look it up too and, and have, have a, 
have a think about that, what's going on in your world and how your sons, because we're talking about men today, how your sons are being shown how to be a man. And it's a very important consideration. I raised two sons and a daughter alone, mostly alone. And uh, it was always a consideration for me. At one point, I actually sent each of my sons to live with their father for a while when I thought it was the time that they needed to have really strong modeling. Even though I wasn't all that keen on the models, (laughs) I felt it was important to them. So what led you to write this book? Well, like a lot of people, it's reflection of my own journey. I was married. Then I got divorced. And like a lot of people, at first I blamed the other person. Then I came to the point of asking myself, what do I have to learn from all this? I don't want to go through this again. And I really set out on a journey, like, what does it mean to be a man in a relationship? So I, I read books. They really said nothing to me. I, 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 you know, I had been to see therapists. I was really turning to the timeless wisdom that for generations, fathers used to teach their sons about being a man. And there's tons of writings about this, like, writings from 100 years ago, even 1,000 years ago, or several thousand years ago. And what really struck me was like, wow, this was so relevant. It, like, it was like, it hit me in the face. It's like, this is my situation. How come, you know, this information, this knowledge, this wisdom has been around for 1,000 years. How come nobody told me this? So I put it together in this book, and it's all the stuff that I wish someone had told me before I got married or while I was married, and I shared it with uh, – my goal is to share what I learned with other people. And the fascinating thing was, you know, first I thought, oh, this is just me and my friends or my little circle. The book's been translated to 24 languages all over the world, in Europe, Asia, Latin America, Africa. And so it hit me. I said, well, this, this is what men have to learn. These, these are the insights that men need to learn. And in the world today, men aren't learning it. And I think that's the reason for the, um, why this book is striking a chord around the world. Yes, that's so interesting because wonder why, you know, it's not just that men are not passing on wisdom to their sons, I'm sure, um, but that the world has changed greatly and the roles have been changing and the expectations have been changing. So there are many things in this book that I want to talk to about. But first I want to ask you, yes, it's popular in 24 countries, but have you had any pushback, any controversy? Has anybody said, what's up with this? Um, you know, occasionally, occasionally, but I think they often misunderstand what the book is saying. Occasionally, some will say, I'm telling men to be controlling. And really, I'm not. And I, I think it's very clear in the book that I'm not saying that at all. But often, it, it's someone who's had a bad experience, like a woman who was in a controlling relationship, and she'll say, well, I'm telling men to be controlled. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, being controlling is abuse. I, mm-hmm. not- well, I would certainly agree. I mean, my life work is uh, empowering people to see, recognize a, emotional abuse and what has happened to them and to make good decisions to live a healthier life. So, of course, the word controlling is a trigger for anybody who's been emotionally abused. So I could see that for sure, that that would be the case. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning, when I started reading, I thought, hmm, I wonder what's up with this. Uh, And it took, I have to admit, Elliot, it took me halfway through the book before I could kind of 
okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought the only fair thing to do is to read the entire book to make sure. But, you know, I I found a couple of little things that kind of set me off a bit. So, you know, on page 88 in the story, and it's a a lovely story, um, it says sometimes you have to make decisions. The grandfather says to the son, Sometimes you have to make decisions that people don't like and they get angry, but you have to do it. Everybody who makes decisions has to deal with people who don't like the decisions. And the question came up for me. Um, It sounded as though the man was being encouraged to be the decision maker. And that was a big question. So what do you say to that? Okay, that's a very good question. So, first of all, I, you know, getting back to about being controlling, the book doesn't say be controlling. It says yeah. show your share of leadership, but some, which, which is a trigger. Some people think, oh, I'm telling men to be controlling. Not at all. Yeah. Really what I'm telling men is make your share of decisions. Stop leaving every decision to your wife because that's what so many men, you'd be talking about changing roles in our society. So, so many men today are confused about what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. And they don't want to be controlling. They want, you know, most men want to be good husbands and good fathers. And and they're really not sure what they're supposed to do. So they just think, well, I'll just do whatever my wife tells me to do. And she should be happy. And I'm doing that. And why isn't she happy? Well, Roberta, you understand. So, Uh, you know, let me just put it in here uh, so that, you know, people have a, a hook to hang that on. I mean, this whole thing, you know, happy wife, happy life. Right, it is permeating the culture, right. and it's one-sided, and it actually speaks to what it is that you're providing the antidote for in your book. So, you know, if if this begins to intrigue you, as it certainly did me once I got into thinking about all these things, then th- that's what Elliot's speaking about right now. So, please go on. Okay, so he's talking about happy wife, happy life. I agree, except. And I get this question a lot, except what does it mean to have a happy wife? Just, uh, you know, do whatever she tells you to do. And, you know, men think, well, isn't that great? I'll let her do whatever she wants. But really, like running a home, dealing with all the problems, making all the decisions, that's hard work. So when a man says, well, you can decide and, well, you tell me what to do, she feels, and I've heard a woman say this, she feels that he is a child and she is his mother. She doesn't want that. So getting back to the quote in the book, so sometimes there's are situations where a man thinks, well, you know, she wants this, but I know this is wrong. And I, and I know with certainty this is wrong. And sometimes, and I've seen this and I experienced it myself, you give in because you think, well, what can I do? And it goes wrong and then you blame her. And, you know, this is, you know, we go back to the story in the Bible, like this is exactly what Adam did with Eve, right? He blamed her for, he gave in and then he blamed her. So that's what men do. So I said, well, if it's wrong and you know it's wrong, you can't give in because you can't give in just to think you're going to blame her and and present yourself as a victim of your wife. Nobody has any sympathy for you. If it's wrong, you know that it's wrong. You you have to, you you can't give in. You have to make sure, you know, it's your your responsibility to do what's right. I mean, you know, I'm not, this isn't saying being controlling tyrant, but there are situations where you just can't, I mean, I, I coach men and, I hear it all the time. I gave into this. It was such a disaster. I knew it was a mistake. Well, you know, and it's destroyed your marriage in the end. So it, that's what I'm saying. If you know it's wrong, you can't say, well, you know, what can I do? I'm, I'm powerless. I'm helpless. 
Right. Well, I think you're talking about, you know, being responsible and taking uh, responsibility for your actions. You know, I put a big question mark in the book on page 56 when it said, being strong meant I had to take full responsibility for making things better. Oh, really? You're not in a partnership? I had to take action to achieve what I wanted. I couldn't keep saying she has to change and then wait for her to change. Taking full responsibility also meant I couldn't give in to her on something that I knew was wrong and turn around and blame her when things went wrong. So I kept getting this big question, Elliot. Where is the mutuality? You know, I've written 16 books. I talk about for couples, we need to have equality, mutuality, and reciprocity. This sounds like somebody has to be right. Instead of encouraging a conversation in depth that allow each partner to express how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're bringing to it, and then making agreements and decisions together. This sounds to me like, okay, the guy in this case, the strong man, has to decide what's right. Um, And I have to object because he can only say what's right for him. Okay. Okay. So let, let me just go back to the first part of your question. Where he a man has to take responsibility for what's going on in this home, and like I said, nobody wants to hear a man say he's a victim of a woman. And I've heard many, many men say, "Well, you know, I could change if she would change." Like I, I it's, it's, everybody's saying, you know, what you're describing is wonderful if it works, but there are situations men says like. Well, you know, I need her to do this, but she won't do that. I said, you can't. You got to solve the problem. You see, you see a situation. And, you know, you see, what happens is men just blame the woman because, well, she's not doing this. She's not doing her share. It says, you know, you have to take what responsibility. Can I do? What yeah, can you have to take responsibility. And, and not only that, but I think what, you know, you, what, you know, part of it is reciprocity. Part of it is explaining to, you know, and speaking to your spouse in a way that shows them what you want to do is a good thing for the family. And it really helps her achieve the goals that are important to her. That's part of it. it. It's not, you see, the point is stop sitting back and being like a helpless victim because that, I mean, I speak, yeah. to, I mean, I felt that way and I met, I've met so many men who just feel they're helpless victims of their wives. I said, well, you know, and, and she, well, she doesn't want to be, do something, you know, reciprocate. Well, you still got to deal with the situation because nobody will have any sympathy for you. You know, I hear men presenting themselves as victims of their wives all the time. And I said, well, you know, Nobody has any sympathy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have to see what should you have done to improve the situation. If your wife doesn't want to cooperate with you, what could you have done? And instead of lying back, saying, I'm a victim of my wife. Right. Okay, so I'm still going to pick on you a little bit. because oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what what I, I don't see, and I agree, I mean, we all have to take responsibility for our part in this, but I still get the feeling that that somehow the bottom line here is that the man should then draw the line in the sand and says, this is the way it will be, and nobody's going to force me to do anything, Elliot. So now what? And the second part of the question is nowhere in here, nowhere in this thought provoking book, does it say anything about in-depth communication, conflict management, negotiation, 
uh, mutual uh, sharing of values. It talks about values, but it, it may make the assumption that the values are shared. They may not be shared. You're not going to be able to force a woman to do what you want her to do because that's not going to work. So now what? Okay. Well, it's, it's, uh, you've raised some very interesting points because that's not what the book says to me. <laughs> it doesn't say draw a line in the sand. It doesn't say giving ultimatums. It says, you know, I, I thought I explained this pretty well in the book. It's about leadership, you know, showing your share of leadership. And what does a leader do? He doesn't draw. I mean, if he's attacking a country, okay. But if he's, if he's showing his share of leadership in a family, he speaks to, to his wife and his children in a way that is inspiring, that, he, that they want to look, they want to be supportive to him because, you know, she, she feels he's worthy of it, right? And, and that's really what it is. It's not drawing the line in the sand. It's, it's, you know, and part of it is negotiation. I know I don't talk about that, but that's part of being a leader. It's like talking to, talking to people and not really, the main message is really don't lay back and just be a helpless victim. Take the lead. You see a situation. Don't just sit there and say, well, I'm a helpless victim of my wife. I've heard that so many times. It's like, take the lead and take some action to improve the situation. Talk to your wife. Negotiate with her. Talk to her. You know, what does a leader do? A, lot, a leader is, you know, describes his vision, talks in a way that inspires people, inspires his wife. He says, hey, yeah, that's, that's great. But don't say, you know, you can't order her. Just say, let's do this. This would be like something that I know you would like. This will help us achieve this goal in a way that inspires her, not drawing a line in the sand. I, I don't, I mean, I, you may have read it that way, but I certainly didn't mean it that way. And I don't think it really says that. <laughs> no, I don't think it does either, but I'm, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, that's fine. Was when, I, when I read it, I thought, oh, of course, you know, from my background, I have a PhD in psychology. So I'm looking at how to get people to talk well together, to feel emotionally safe, to develop emotional intimacy, to not trample on each other's vulnerabilities, you know, all of these things. And this book is a quick allegory about all kinds of things that really are good, but it needs a workbook. And if you ever want to work with me on creating one, I'll be happy to do that. Okay. Actually, you know, I am working on that. That is, that is a comment I've, I've gotten in that it really needs like step-by-step a work plan. Yeah, I agree. That's the next, that's the next edition. (laughs) Also, not only the work plan from my point of view, you know, um, but, but the the more in depth, because you can't put it in a story, you can't figure all that into the, into the storyline. And I get that, but you know, it brings up so many good points and it just, to my read needs elaboration as to what does that really mean? Like you use the word leader. Well, I can think of leaders right now in the world that I wouldn't follow for anything, right? So what right. does it mean to be a leader in your home? Does if, if somebody reads it and they read leader and they think, you know, executions and, and <laughs> stomping on things and another person reads, you know, inspiration and Gandhi, I mean, it's a totally multivalent word to people. So explanation of what does it actually mean to be a leader and how you, you talk about that. Like what if you're dating, you know, what, okay, what but, do you do then? How, how do you manage dating? 
Okay, can I just uh, go back to your point about there are leaders in the world you wouldn't follow? Well, then they're not effective leaders because a leader, as, as I explained in the book, in a family is someone who inspires people to want to say, hey, I want to be part of achieving that goal. I'm inspired. That, that's your goal. It's not, it's not, like you said, it's not a line in the sand. It's not a, being a tyrant. Nobody wants that. It's about a, a leader who, says, you know, who inspires people to say, you know, who inspires a wife to say, yeah, I want to help him achieve that goal. You know, I'm inspired by him. That, that, that is what it is. And I think I do explain that. Now, in terms of dating, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because I've had so many women say to me, you know, a man asks them out and shows zero leadership, can't even choose a place to go for a cup of coffee. Have you heard this? Because I've heard this many times, not even a cup of coffee. And then, and then when he takes her out, he won't even pay for her coffee. It's like, he's got... Yeah, there are some things that go along with this whole thing. This is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because, you know, I encourage people to read this book, you know, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. And from my point of view, you know, certainly I want to be with somebody who has a backbone. I want to be with someone who knows why he makes decisions. I want to be with somebody who explains their value system to me and I understand it. I want someone who communicates well. Yes, I know I want a lot. I want someone who is willing to um, work through issues rather than unilaterally come down or do the silent treatment or my way or the highway. But the piece that and I don't know by the title of the book, but the piece that always intrigues me is the woman also has a part in this. Like when a man says, this is the leadership I would like to have and here's why, the woman also has to also be a leader and say, and here's what I would like to have and why. And then we can have a conversation about how that would work. Could we bring those ideas together? What would it look like in reality as opposed to, you know, having some kind of hierarchy or power struggle. Right, right. So I, I know I explained that in the book because there's a part where I talk about, you know, there's the sort of the two extremes. One is where uh, a man never listens to his wife and that's the importance of you know, making an effort to listen to her. Or the man who just always listens to his wife and does whatever she says. And so that's, well, that's not, not going to work either. So yeah. you're right, absolutely. You know, a man and a woman should talk to each other but you think I, no absolutely you should and a man should listen to his wife and and when making a decision when you know what they should make it together and she he should listen to her because she's an intelligent person and has valuable things to say and he should make it and so i remember there's a whole section of the book <laughs> where i discuss that yes if, you if make if you never listen to her make an effort to listen to her but if you always listen to her and you just don't you know because i know lots of men like that that's i just do whatever my wife tells me and it's well that doesn't work either life will not be it says life you know man who's ruled by his wife his life is not a life it's as if he's not alive that's not it's not a life but but on the other extreme or he's just a tyrant oh nobody wants that no no so let's go back to the dating because i really okay. like the point that you brought up you know well where would you like to go for coffee and the fellow says well i don't know where do you want to go and it reminds <laughs> me of the jungle book you know those three vultures sitting on the on the oh, limb right, right. and one says well what do you want to do and the other one goes i don't know what do you want to do and well i don't know what do you want to do and <laughs> we get into this this ridiculous situation but it is something that goes ahead of you if someone says, well, where would you like to meet? And they say, and they, they say I don't care. 
and yeah, come up right. with no suggestion, right, whether right, it's the right. male or the female. What is it that makes you such a people pleaser that you're afraid to even say the name of a coffee shop? <laughs> right? I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I've, ta- I've had this conversation many times and I say, you know, be a man with a plan. You know, you want to ask a woman out? Uh-huh. Have a plan. You go, well, we'll go for here for dinner. Then we'll go see this movie. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't like those ideas, she'll tell you, but, if you if she, you know you ask her out and she says yes and then she says well what did you have in mind and you have no plan it's like well yeah whatever <laughs> yeah whatever you decide yeah. and then he thinks but the thing is he men are so confused today he thinks I'm showing her I'm the nicest guy I'm non controlling I'm letting her decide I'm the nicest guy why doesn't she want to go on a second date with me yes and but I explained to these guys you know if you can't even choose a place for a cup of coffee. How are you going to deal with real life's challenges? You get married. There's lots of challenges in marriage. If you can't handle any problem, I can't even choose a place for a cup of coffee. It's a big turnoff. I've had lots of women say that they go once with a guy and he, he can't even choose a place to go. It, it's a big turnoff. Like she won't go out with him again. Well, I, you know, I'd like to make a distinction because what I'm hearing, and I think what you're saying too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like he's saying, okay, we're going to go to Starbucks on that corner. He's saying, how about Starbucks on that corner, Absolutely. right? You could say, I was thinking of this place. I've, I heard this restaurant's really good or this movie. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, great. At least have something to plan. Yeah. Pardon? A great point of departure so oh, that we can have a conversation about where we're going to meet. Uh, absolutely. I really yeah. like that. And then when you are dating, you know, because I deal with the, the severe dysfunctions in life and people are really burned after they've been in relationship with these relentlessly difficult, toxic people, I trademark the term for them. I call them hijackles. Um, and the reason I do that, Elliot, is because... I don't want anyone turning into an armchair psychologist and going to the internet and saying, my partner behaves this way. And then they forget that the internet is an index, not a mental health professional. <laughs> and it spits back narcissist or sociopath or whatever. And then the person says, well, I'm with uh And now we have a whole different dynamic. But in the, in the dating world, if you've been with a hijackal and you're beginning to date, you know, you're like on red alert for anything right. that is a sign. And so knowing that each of you could be this strong person, when both people are strong in a relationship, then they're confident, not overbearing, not demanding anything. They know who they are. And I think in the dating world, and I, I'm interested if you agree, that if each person is in that people-pleasing mode, it is just such an unsatisfying disaster. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, people say, you know, ask me, like, you know, today's women are very strong. And I said, well, a strong woman wants a strong man. And a man who is a man with a plan, he's not forcing it on her, but he says, well, I thought we would do this. And if she says, well, I can't go to that fish restaurant because I have an anaphylactic reaction to the smell of fish, well, then... (laughs) He should have an alternative plan. She could, or she could suggest something, but definitely be a man with a plan. And and otherwise, I, you know, just you know, I when I hear men like they'll ask women out with no plan, and like it's, and then they don't. She doesn't want to go out with them again. Like can't understand why. So that's the whole thing. I really think that it, men today are so confused and really not sure 
what to do. Like a, a woman was telling me that but this friend of hers went up with this fellow. They were meeting at this coffee shop, and he had been there. He got there first, bought a coffee, sat down. She came, sat down, and he didn't like say, "Well, can I get you something?" Like, or he didn't wait for her. It's like, you know, I think that person probably thought, "Well, I'm showing I believe in equality. Like, I got my own coffee; she could get hers." You know, it's. But they probably thought, "I'm doing, I'm doing like the modern progressive man." But, you know, if he knew, I said, "You know, when you meet a woman at a coffee shop, wait for her, then go to the counter." you know, ask her to order what she wants and pay for her, <laughs> then maybe, you know, you got would have got a second date. But he, he, I really believe men think they're doing the right thing and or they're not sure and they think, well, if I if I hold the door for a woman, am I being sexist? Really, really. I mean, like, do I, if I hold the car door for her, uh, is that being sexist? Am I, she, can't she open the car door herself? <laughs> and I tell men, I, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but I, so many men, they think, well, They'll split the bill. I said, you know, if you want to show you believe in equality, splitting the bill is not the way to show you believe in equality. Just pay for her because it makes her feel special. Well, you know, it, it, you're, I agree with you, right? Now, I raised three kids by myself working full time. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I'm on it. And I've lived through all of these things because – you know, in, in back in my day when I was dating, it was all about that. You sat in the car and waited for the fellow to come around and open the door. And if he didn't do it, he was a goner. Right? <laughs> um, and so it is very confusing for men and for women because things have changed. And like you so rightly said, this whole idea of equality, what does that really mean? Well, it's confusing. It's something you have to have a conversation about a little later. But hey, guys, err on the side of taking care of her. And if she doesn't like it and she wants to pull out of that, she'll let you know. But if you do demonstrate respect, just demonstrate caring, demonstrate interest, you'll never go wrong. And that does mean waiting until she arrives to offer her a cup of coffee and go and get it for her. Um, and it's not weakness on the woman's part. It's a convention. It's a ritual. It's a, a practice that allows people to understand a little bit of the roles and the differences while being respectful of one another. From my point of view, it's like, oh, I appreciate being taken care of. I don't have to be I don't have to prove I can pay for my own coffee. You want to buy me coffee? Please do. I appreciate it. I don't I don't go through the oh it's all right. Maybe we could split I don't do that when someone says, you know, I'll get it. My answer is thank you very much. Exactly. No, and that's and that's what a woman should say, thank you. And but but you know I tell men really the goal is to make her feel special. If you plan the date, it shows while well, you've made the effort to think about what you want to do, what you would both enjoy doing. Hey, he took he made that effort because he, for me. So he, you're making her feel special. You pay for her. You're making her feel special. You know I, I've I've been interviewed on this subject. Like, well, who should pay the one who makes the most money? I mean, let's, <laughs> <laughs> what did you bring your tax return on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some people won't divulge those tax returns, so it's a real problem. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let me ask you a question, because we could go on forever, and I'd love to, but we are time limited. So 
meeting in the middle between what you're talking about and what my specialty is, what advice do you have for people who are beyond the dating stage who need to calibrate in their own minds and have conversations in their relationship between the difference between controlling and uh, leading or controlling and um, what's the other word that I had in mind? Um, it, it is a shift, right? It's not, it's being able to calibrate what's controlling and what's demonstrating interest, what's controlling and what is saying, um, let's have some equality, reciprocity and mutuality in this relationship. What do you think it takes to decide for your, uh, yourself, if you're the man who's reading this book, what exactly is too far to go that would be read as controlling? Right, right. So I do have a chapter on that, um, you know, the comparing what is controlling, what is leadership. And they're really opposites in my mind. Someone's controlling is, is you know, usually very insecure. They're thinking only about themselves. They, they're really not thinking about the best interests of the other person or, or their family. And, and, it's, and it's just abuse. I mean, someone who has to have things their way is not – you know, it, it's, not, it's not leadership because you're not inspiring people to want to be part of achieving your vision, right? A leader is, has more self-confidence in themselves, is really thinking about the greater good of their spouse, of their family, and, and, and you can tell the difference. They're, they're not just seeing what's best for themselves. In fact, what they want to put forward probably isn't what's best for themselves. It probably is a lot of work and a lot of responsibility, but they want, you know, what's best for their family. And, the, and, and, and the, and to realize, you know, what we were talking about leadership before, a leader speaks to other people in a way that makes them feel good about, yeah, I feel good about doing what he's saying because he's, he's communicating in a way that inspires me. That's a leader. A leader, you know, one of the quotes I, I read is a leader gets people to do things and, and feel good about doing it. And so that's your job as a leader. A leader is not a tyrant. It's not someone who's just wants, you know, just yells and screams. I mean, that's not being a leader. A leader, someone who yells and screams is usually someone who isn't strong. That's one of the points I'm making in my book. If you're blowing up at your wife and kids, they're going to just blow you off. <laughs> you're not going to be a leader. They're going to just push you away. So it's really about speaking, communicating, and all these things, negotiating, inspiring people to say, hey, I want to achieve that vision. I want to achieve that goal. And it's completely different than being controlling. Controlling, you're just making people miserable and you're abusive and really you should get help to realize, find out why you're, you need have this need to control other people. Oh, well, of course, I'm definitely going to agree with you on the getting help part. But if you are also a person who has felt controlled and feel you don't have options, also recognize that you are not being... Um, treated well this is emotional abuse and if somebody with a belief system that suggests that women should be submissive to their husbands be very very careful of that one because that's pretty old um, territory considering that a woman is supposed to do what a man says we're an old 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 thing there and that's nothing to do with what my guest Elliot Katz is saying in being the strong man a woman wants. I think we could talk for a long time, Elliot, but I want to tell people, go to your website, ElliotKatz.com. Now, Elliot, two L's, two T's, K-A-T-Z, 
if you're in Canada, K-A-T-Z, <laughs> if you're in the United States, ElliotKatz.com. Two L's, two T's, K-A-T-Z. And also, you can get this book, I'm sure, wherever people want to purchase it, on Amazon and everywhere. Is that right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, interesting conversation. Love to hear your thoughts on it. So, be sure and get on my Facebook page at um, the name of the show, Emotional Savvy. Go there and talk about this particular episode once you've heard it. And if you have any questions, I'll relay them to Elliot and we can talk about it again. Thank you so much for being my guest. Okay, thank you for having me. It's great. It was great fun. I hope it was fun for you. Not, I, I think that we're getting really good points out. I hope you don't feel like I was oppressing you. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay, great. My guest today is Elliot Katz. He's the author of this really intriguing book, and I really think it is what women want in so many ways, as long as you read the book, not just the title. The book is called Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants timeless wisdom on being a man now if just for one minute you're thinking that that's going to give you entitlement to have power over a woman then read every single word of it four times okay it's not what it's about at all i'm dr roberta shaler the relationship help doctor you can find me at transformingrelationship.com i hope you will if you want a safe place off social media to discuss what's happening in your relationship join my membership program at optimizecircles.com so until we talk again I wish you well, I wish you strength, I wish you great conversations, and I wish you happiness, peace, and the love that you deserve. Take good care, and I hope that we'll talk soon, and you will listen to other episodes in this series. Bye-bye. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.